Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. It is Monday afternoon. Uh, We are here to talk about NXT TakeOver. 31, uh, not the most creative name for this show. It's uh, it's Ryan Drosty of comicbook.com here with Kyle Ross. It's episode 177 of Top Rope Nation. And uh, Kyle, we've had some time to kind of let this show ferment in our brains. And uh, <laughs> I think now that we've kind of slept on it, we can we can talk about this one maybe in, in a little more uh, in depth or maybe we'll have maybe just a better view of, of what we saw last night. It's, like I said, it's... Uh, it's Monday afternoon, and we're ready to break it down. So, TakeOver 31, give it a grade, Kyle. What did you think of the event? Oh, I always forget how you asked me this question at the start <laughs> of these shows. Yes. Uh, B minus? Okay. That's about where I thought you would come in, B minus. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm at a B plus. I think I was a little bit higher than you, but, you know, like not that much. I think we're pretty close. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a good show. I mean, most most takeover shows are good. Uh, they usually are very good in the in the way of in ring action. I think where we have tended to be a little bit critical of the shows in the past has been like storyline direction, and we're going to get into a little of that, I'm sure, tonight as we go through this or today, I should say. Uh, I did throw out the poll last night on our Twitter account at Top Rope Nation, looking at uh, what our listeners thought, and we've last checked 80 votes in the poll. 56% said A, 27% said B, uh, 5% at a C, and I don't know what these people are watching, but 11% at a D or F. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, Ooh. overwhelmingly, though, I like 83% or whatever at a A or a B, and I was pretty much right in line. 
Oh, so, okay, most people are higher than me, but uh, there are a few people out there, 11%, I guess, that are, wow, even tougher graders than me. <laughs> Who would have thought? So. Apparently so. Um, so, Kyle, you know, this show, I guess the, the big story was it they debuted the Capitol Wrestling Center. Uh, we got the word middle of last week that they were moving out of Full Sail University. The reason being, I guess, kind of... There's there's several reasons for this, um, but I think COVID obviously is is the the central idea to a lot of it. Um, they were not going to be able to have a, a live crowd at full sail due to the university's restrictions on that. There's also the issue of uh, NXT uses some of the classroom buildings nearby uh, for conferences for meetings with the talent, and when that happens, they're passing by students on campus. There's a limited amount of students at Full Sail University back on campus and uh, they kind of wanted to avoid that situation and so they, they moved production back to the performance center where raw and smackdown and all the pay-per-views had been uh, for the main roster until the middle of august and they gave it a, a remaking here with the capital wrestling center what what did you think of it kyle Ah, uh, yes. Nothing gets the WWE to change quite like those liberal rules and regulations, does it? Yes, that's true. That is very true. Uh, what did I think of it? I guess it was okay. An improvement. Um, I wonder what Vincent J. McMahon would think of the music of NXT. <laughs> probably, probably not a fan, much like you are not a fan. And uh, what do you call it? The new metal? sounds of uh the the nxt is that what technically what it is new metal i don't know not great though not great uh kind of screamo um i i when i was listening to that intro kyle i was thinking of your words ringing in my head where you would say who listens to this stuff in their free time okay but music aside kyle what what did you think of the look of the venue you like it i mean is it an improvement from full sale yes i would say so um whether that cures the things that ill NXT, I don't really think so. I don't think that's the answer. Um, you know, much like we talked about the Thunderdome and Raw and SmackDown. You know, it's, you know, the creative needed to improve, which it has, uh, at least on SmackDown. Mm. Um, you know, more so than just, you know, throwing a, a coat of paint over the top of the product. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess people liked the Thunderdome, so this seem just like a natural thing to do with NXT. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of odd that they wouldn't just use the Thunderdome. I mean, like they said when uh, when WWE moved out of the Performance Center, they wanted to get it back for training, you know, and now they've kind of remade this new venue. So uh, from what I was seeing in the notes from Triple H or Paul Levesque's conference call, they're doing all their training in a, a separate venue, I guess, in smaller groups because, uh, you know, they don't have that big room with all the multiple rings because that is now the uh, Capitol Wrestling Center. So for the foreseeable future, um, they do still have a relationship with Full Sail University, so they could go back there at some point. But uh, for the time being, this is going to be the home of NXT and uh, the main roster when their lease at the Amway Center ends. Uh, Levesque said that they are going to be moving to a different arena if they're not able to tour. So we'll see what happens there. But I thought the Cabo Wrestling Center, it's a cool look. I like, I kind of like the vibe. I don't really get the old school names since nothing about it other than maybe the lighting looks too old school. You know, you got your big, uh, video boards, um, <laughs> the chain link fences in front of the plexiglass around the ring. Uh, not exactly a classic wrestling feel, but it's a cool look. And, you know, I thought that open was interesting um it's 
so odd how NXT is willing to dive into wrestling's past Mm -hmm. in ways that if Vince McMahon was calling the final shots wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, just using the word wrestling, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's that. But I mean, I just think, you know, the the lean-in to capital wrestling and, you know, obviously um, the use of things like Halloween Havoc, which Mm -hmm. was another new... A noteworthy item coming out of the show that they're going to be doing Halloween Havoc, um, a WCW creation. So that's just, it, you know, we always hear about NXT, the demo it does the best in. Uh, it certainly leans toward them. You understand why? Yeah. Uh, the older audience for sure. October 28th, Halloween Havoc, a Wednesday night show, not a takeover. Um, but uh, yeah, two hours. Sounds like we'll have to do a podcast. Yeah, probably. About Halloween Havoc. <laughs> Most likely. Uh, and hey, actually, kind of a tangent, but that's probably a good time to mention uh, the show will be changing formats a little bit in the coming weeks. We have been doing uh, bi weekly shows twice per week since May. I guess for four months, we did two shows a week and it is just getting really hard for myself and Kyle and Justin to struggle that or to struggle to uh to it's not getting hard to struggle I'll tell you that much we are struggling it's it's getting hard to adhere to that schedule and so we are going to be going back to our just one per week show for the time being Uh, I'm not saying we're opposed to doing more shows down the line or we might throw in bonus shows once in a while you know when something newsworthy happens but uh it will be the just the Thursday show for the time being moving forward just because you know we all have full time jobs we all have families and uh it's getting really hard to uh, balance that right now so look for we'll be doing this show today uh we'll be doing later this week a uh preview kind of of the wwe draft and uh then next week we're settling into just the one show per week uh, as we did for years uh once again so just knowing that so you're not looking every monday you know for the uh for the regular Monday show, that's not going to be happening except for probably after pay-per-views. I'm sure we'll still do some kind of pay-per-view review. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll dive right into that here in, in NXT TakeOver 31. Before we do, real quickly, of course, I do want to mention we're members of the Blue Wire Podcasting Network, as you heard at the top of the program with uh, Greg Olson advertising his new show on the network. Check out BlueWirePods.com for all your podcasting needs. And, of course, if you want a free Top Rope Nation sticker, all you got to do is leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. Leave your Twitter and Instagram username so I know how to get a hold of you and to be able to get your address so I can send that out to you. Make sure to subscribe while you are there, as well as all of the other podcasting platforms, Spotify, TuneIn, Podbean, TopRopeNation.com, wherever you get your podcasts, we are available, and we would greatly appreciate that subscription. So, uh, Kyle, right off the bat then, I guess the, the first match of the show to mention, Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano. Uh, my big question for you looking at this match and then what happened with Candice later, are the Garganos set for the main roster, do you think? No. No? I, I mean, you would think it based on the booking. So I have a lot to say about this. It's funny that we can group them together. We were pretty vocal at the time that turning them heel seemed foolish. Yeah. I mean, Johnny Gargano was a great babyface that never got a proper babyface run on top, which is what everyone wanted mm-hmm. two years ago. And has he grown into this heel role? Sure. Uh, has Candace? Sure. But the way that heel turn was presented, it was like this sort of brand defining thing. 
All right. And so Kyle is gone. <laughs> We've been having some technical difficulties. And so since I'm live right now, I'm recording. It's Monday afternoon. I'm just going to roll with it, people. So uh, you're getting a Ryan Drosty solo podcast here. So here we go. Uh, the first match of the show, Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano. My question I was going to ask Kyle is, are Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae main roster bound? Uh, and I don't know for sure, but I would say it sure feels like it coming out of this event. Um, Gargano failed to defeat Damian Priest in the main, in the uh, the first match of the show. This was for the NXT North American Championship. I think I felt like going in, look, you can't take the belt off of Damian Priest. They obviously see something in him. I, I think he's got a great look. I think uh, he's got a good future. I, he's, he's the type of person I could see uh, succeeding on the main roster. Uh, he's not exactly young. Uh, he's in his late 30s. He's been wrestling for a long time. But, I mean, he's fresh to the WWE viewers and the NXT viewers. So you, you got to keep the title on him. Uh, so I didn't I didn't foresee a title change happening here. I thought maybe Candice LeRae, I'll get to that in a little bit, had a chance at uh, winning the Women's Championship. But she did not. Spoiler alert. So because of that... Uh, I don't know, man. I think I think maybe these two are headed for the main roster. I don't know what else you do with them on NXT right now. Um, Kyle's thoughts, um, he's texting me his thoughts since uh, technology kind of broke here. He said his thought was that Gargano's turning was presented as this brand-defining or altering moment, but Johnny and Candice really aren't in any better spot now than they were as babyfaces. And, I mean, I would agree. We've talked a lot on this program before about how um, they're just awkward heels. Like Johnny Gargano should have been the top babyface two years ago. The fans were yearning for that. Um, we didn't really get it. And then he went heel. Then they flipped him back, and now he's heel again. I, th I think he's a little bit better as a heel right now than he was the first time around. But but still, he just seems awkward in the role. I think Candice has also grown in trying to, persuade, to uh, portray herself as a heel but it's still kind of forced. I mean, I it's just not what I really want to see out of these two, the heel couple. So I thought the opening match was good. They went 18 and a half minutes. Um, it was, uh, you know, somebody, somebody had called it at the time a show-stealing performance. Maybe this was going to be the best match on the show. I don't think that it was, but it was an excellent, excellent match. So Gargano tried to knock Damian Priest from the apron onto some steel steps, uh, similar to how Priest... Took a bump onto the steps at one of the last takeovers, but Priest reversed it, kicked Gargano in the face. He then spiked Gargano with the reckoning and got the pinfall. So Priest retains the title, and I, I just I don't know where Johnny Gargano and Candice are going to go from here. I do think maybe they should try him on the main roster. We'll see if that happens. Uh, the second match of the show, Kushida taking on Velveteen Dream. I thought that this was probably the weakest match of the show. Although there was no bad matches on this show. But the, I, I thought this was the weakest match on the show. Uh, one thing that kind of floored me is that so many people out there didn't understand what Velveteen Dream was, was cosplaying. I, I even listened to Observer Radio this morning and uh, with Dave and Brian. And I, Brian had no idea what uh, Velveteen Dream was dressed up as. Guys, he was supposed to be Doc Brown. This is a reference to Back to the Future. Kushida, the Time Splitters gimmick. It, it makes sense. So Velveteen Dream, he had his uh, his hair dyed gray. He had on these yellow gloves and the white pants. He was supposed to look like Doc Brown from Back to the Future. 
but you know what? Velveteen Dream, he's had a lot going on, a lot of controversy around the Velveteen Dream, and uh, he's been off over the last few months, and I thought he was a little bit off in this match. Kushida, though, was, was really, really good. We saw kind of a more violent side of Kushida than we are used to. Um, at the end of the match, we had uh, Kushida lock in the hoverboard lock, but he couldn't get Dream to tap out. Dream went for a Dream Valley driver, landed it, but Kushida held on to the hoverboard lock, Kimura, and Dream tapped out. Uh, after the match, Kushida let loose on Dream. You had Dream just kind of screaming in pain. I don't, I don't really know where Velveteen Dream goes from this point on either. I mean, this is a guy who seems kind of lost for multiple reasons in NXT lately, but Kushida came out looking um, very, very good. He hit, hit these hard palm strikes and elbows, arm submissions throughout the match, and then after the match on Dream. Uh, this was this was good, but probably the weakest match on the show. After this match, this is where we got the commercial for Halloween Havoc, which is going to be presented by Shotzi Blackheart. She's front and center on the commercial. They're showing like this old horror horror film-looking house, and then she pops up cackling, which is actually kind of scary. I was, I was kind of glad my young children weren't in the room watching me with this. But uh, yeah, Halloween Havoc, October 28th. That will be the Wednesday night NXT on the USA Network. Guys, before we go any further, let's throw a shout-out to two of the good sponsors of Top Rope Nation and Blue Wire, and that is our friends at DoorDash and Bet Online. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's all one word. Don't forget, code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. They even have pro wrestling betting, guys. Check it out. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So as we continue through the show, man, I got to say, special props to Zach Haydorn 
over at Pro Wrestling Torch. I mean, he's been on the show before. He reviewed uh, the last WWE pay-per-view with me. And uh, Zach often does his podcast all by himself. And uh, as I am going through this show, doing this solo for the first time, I got to say, Zach, man, it is not easy. But we're, we're going to carry through this, guys. Give me some feedback. How am I doing here? Uh, technical difficulties be damned. Ryan Drosty is here for you on Top Rope Nation. So the third match of the show, Santos Escobar, the WWE NXT Cruiserweight Champion, taking on Isaiah Swerve Scott. Escobar won the match. This was great. Now, I can't say that I am a a big viewer of 205 Live or anything going on in the Cruiserweight division, uh, but I am a big fan of both of these guys, and uh, I thought I saw some people were kind of down on this match online as I was scrolling my Twitter feed as I was watching it, and uh, I thought it was really good. I don't, I don't know why where anyone really had a problem with this. I, I like everything that they're doing with Escobar and his stable. I think Swerve is great. Um, I think you know. I said this earlier with Candice. This was another one where if, if you're looking for a title change, and spoiler alert, we got zero title changes on this show. Um, Maybe here, although I mean they're still trying to, they're still trying to establish Escobar uh, as a big deal, and so you probably want to keep the title on him, similar to Damian Priest, and that's exactly what they did. Um, leading into the finish, there was this spot where Escobar and Swerve um, they fell onto the apron on the outside, and and Swerve hit his head against the ring post. It was kind of a brutal looking spot. And basically, he he was knocked out at that point on. So then they go back into the ring, and Escobar lands a double underhook GTS. Uh, He slams Swerve into his knee, and he scores the pinfall victory. So I think Swerve, he's kind of been rising through the ranks over the last several months. Really, People are taking notice of him. I think even though he came up short here, People are going to continue to take notice of him. I think he's got a bright future, and uh, this one is this is w- worth seeking out. But uh, no, my my two favorite matches of the night were probably the final two, and, and that is the women's championship match and the men's championship match. And I mean, not to uh, not to be negative on anything else on this show, and I I tried to give uh, the North American Championship match its due. I thought that was a very very good match, but. Io Shirai is just, I mean, she has been so awesome this year. We have raved about her on this podcast, and uh, she continues to be just on a on a different level. So she's taking on Candice LeRae here. Just a, just a really, really solid match all around. Um, I did think there was a chance, like I said, at, a, at a, uh, a title change here, and so it probably had me a little more glued to my screen than usual. And they went back and forth, back and forth. Um, at the end, there was a spot where the referee got knocked out, and out comes Johnny Gargano, who throws on a referee outfit, which I don't think he's a licensed official, so I'm not sure what he was thinking here. Uh, he attempted to try to count the pinfall for Candice, but EO got out. I, the story that they were telling throughout the final part of the match was that no matter what she did, EO Shirai would not be defeated by Candice LeRae, and Candice LeRae was just constantly getting, constantly getting frustrated. So Gargano rushed out. He grabbed the title belt after EO had uh, kicked out of one of the pinfalls where Johnny counted really quickly. Uh, he grabbed the title belt. He was shouting, "It's hers! It's hers!" And uh, he goes into the ring, and at this point, the referee has come to. He gives the championship belt to Candice, and then he's arguing with the official. Uh, while that's happening, behind the official's back, Candice decks Io Shirai with the championship belt. 
LeRae uh, then goes to pin Io Shirai, but once again, Io Shirai kicks out. Just a few moments later, they go up top, and at that point, Io Shirai hits the Spanish fly, just always an awesome-looking spot on Candice for the pinfall. And then after the match, the big story was we had two returns. Now, I think a criticism I would have is I'm not sure why you do both of these on the same night, but first, we had Tony Storm appear on the massive video wall right behind the ring, uh, straight on from the hard cam. Tony Storm comes on the screen. She talks about how she's back. She says it's Tony time. She's coming to NXT. She's coming after Io Shirai. Uh, Tony Storm, I mean, she is she is someone with a, a big-time bright future here in North America. We know that she has been kind of the face of NXT UK, and I think she's going to be awesome when they finally go full throttle with her here on NXT. And it's good to see her coming back. Uh, but right after that, then they went to someone outside on a motorcycle. This was the return that they had been building up in vignettes leading up to the show. This person comes into the venue wearing a motorcycle helmet and onto the stage, and she reveals herself to be none other than Ember Moon, who has now been medically cleared to return um, back down from the main roster, I guess. And I think she was always better on NXT. We'll see if they are able to kind of recapture some of her magic here. And uh, so you've got Ember Moon potentially challenging Io Shirai and also Tony Storm. Now, when you look at what they did here, obviously they they were promoting a return. They probably should have just done the Ember Moon thing and maybe saved Tony Storm for Wednesday night or, or down the road, I thought. I thought having both of these back-to-back maybe took a little bit away from it uh, to have two people. It was just kind of convoluted. Um, but uh, I, I will say I'm pretty excited to see what's coming from these two moving forward. And that brings us to our main event. It's uh, Finn Balor defending the NXT Championship against Kyle O'Reilly. So I mentioned, of course, we got Ember Moon coming back down from the main roster. Kind of the same thing Finn Balor has done uh, starting last fall. And uh, Balor, I mean, just a very stable champion for this brand. He's got the star power. Uh, I'm a fan of what he's been doing in recent weeks, and I was really looking forward to this match. I mean, anyone that's followed these two for a long period of time and saw what both of them did in Japan and on the indies, you had to be looking forward to this match. I mean, they looked at this as kind of Kyle O'Reilly's coming out party for NXT because we've mostly seen him in tag team action uh, when it comes to the NXT brand, but... If you like I said, if you know these guys, you have to know that we were in for something special. And that's exactly what we got. These these two men told just an absolutely marvelous story throughout the match. I thought uh, it was a technical wrestling masterpiece. Um this is the kind of wrestling I love. I was texting Justin Joint, uh my co-host throughout the show. And uh, when we got to this match, we were both just absolutely raving about it. I, I think when you, when it comes to storytelling and great mat action, this is exactly what you're looking for. To me, I mean, easily the match of the night. It started off slow. I thought I thought the psychology was really good. It starts off really slow and deliberate. But by the time you get to the end of the match, I mean, everything has built to this moment. All of the brutal strikes, all the submissions. Uh, it's just just great stuff from Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly. We also got, unfortunately, uh, two possible injuries here. Both of these guys had blood in their mouths by the end of the match. Uh, Finn Balor was going to be getting x-rays today on his jaw. Kyle O'Reilly was also getting medically examined after the match for 
his mouth as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, the match itself, just the, the strikes, the submissions, the story that they told, like I said, unbelievable stuff. I thought Balor, you know, he did he did what he needed to to kind of establish Kyle O'Reilly as someone who could be a single star moving forward for those people that you know, haven't seen him work a lot of singles matches in the past. And although nobody, I don't think anyone really bought that we would have a, a championship change here. Uh, I thought they got you believing. I mean, they went back and forth, back and forth. So I thought Balor did a great job selling his legs towards the end of this match. Um, at one point in time, uh, Kyle O'Reilly knocked him off of the ropes. He used some dragon screw leg whips on Balor. He was really just whipping his knees across the middle rope. Uh, he had an Achilles lock, a heel hook on Balor. And at the end of the match, Balor was acting like he couldn't even stand up. Uh, but he kind of did that to draw in O'Reilly, and he took him down and used a double stomp on him. Then we saw a flying knee drop out of Kyle O'Reilly, but Balor was able to come back, land a double stomp, and then went up top and hit the coup de grace for the victory. It did seem kind of like the the finish kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know if that had to do with the injuries. I'm going to guess yes, but they still... They still worked a long match. I mean, 28 minutes and 28 seconds. So they got a lot of time, uh, but to me, it didn't feel that long. This is, I would say, one of my top five favorite matches of the year at this point in time. And it's probably going to be mentioned at the end of the year, you know, in some of those match of the year lists. Although if you're watching the G1, we haven't really talked about the G1 uh, on this show. But uh, man, the G1 has had some really good stuff too. But when it comes to WWE and NXT, this is right up there with the the best matches that they've had this year. So after the match, they had some great camera cuts where they showed Balor with his bloody mouth, O'Reilly with his bloody mouth. Uh, I mean, just I thought that just really emphatically sold the hard-hitting, awesome professional wrestling match that we just saw. But we weren't done there because right after the main event, after O'Reilly and Balor were shaking hands in the ring and, and selling that great match that we just saw, out comes Ridge Holland, the former British rugby player, and he's got Adam Cole over his shoulder. He walks out to the ringside barrier and he dumps Adam Cole over the barrier to the mats outside of the ring. And, and he walks off as Undisputed Era comes out. We've got Roddy Strong and Bobby Fish out there. They're screaming for people to come out and help Adam Cole, They're asking what happened. Uh, Finn Balor denies knowing about what had happened here. And this is how TakeOver goes off the air. Uh, when I was watching this, it kind of seemed to me like maybe Bobby Fish and Roddy Strong were in on it and were kind of heading towards a uh, an Undisputed Era breakup, and maybe they're going to be forming a new faction with Mr. Ridge Holland. Maybe Finn Balor's involved. That remains to be seen, but uh, I thought it was, a, it was a good way to go off the air. It's intriguing. It makes you want to tune in on Wednesday, and obviously pro wrestling, that's always the goal. It's, it's the continuous story that never ends. So... To go off the air with this great main event and then that storyline afterwards involving one of your top stars in uh, Adam Cole, that was a good show. Uh, so overall, like I said at the top of the broadcast, I'm at about a B plus. Kyle said a B minus. Solid between the ropes. I mean, you can't fault these guys at all for what they presented. Five very good matches. But to me, uh, the men's main event was the best match on the show. Um, followed by the women's title match and the North American Championship match. And I would say Velveteen Dream and uh, Kushida. Probably the weakest match, but still a very solid match for sure. And I enjoyed the Cruiserweight Championship match too. So you can never really go wrong with these NXT TakeOver shows. This one was no different. 
And on top of that, we got the debut of the Capitol Wrestling Center. And I am very curious what you, the listeners, think about it. So if you want to send us your thoughts on TakeOver or uh, your thoughts on the new Capitol Wrestling Center, you can reach us at topropenation at gmail.com. We'd love to read some feedback on our Thursday show this week where we uh, we talk WWE Draft. We may be getting some NXT call-ups there. We'll, we'll see. Triple H was asked on his conference call after TakeOver about that, and he didn't really have a firm answer, so maybe he doesn't even know what is planned. But uh, we shall see. The draft coming up Friday night, and then that will bleed over into the following Monday. So we're going to be here to preview it for you on Thursday morning. And then, like I said earlier on the show, starting next week, we're going to be settling back into the once-per-week Top Rope Nation podcast release schedule. If you want more shows from us, though, and you really want to support what we are doing, the best way is to head on over to patreon.com slash top rope nation. There's like 20 bonus shows on our Patreon page, top rope nation classics, top rope nation extra, probably going to be even more of those going up now that we're going to be going back to the once per week schedule. Uh, so if you want more from us and you've enjoyed the two per week schedule over these last four months, I would highly, highly recommend joining our Patreon page. The minute you do, you get access to the 20 bonus shows in our archives we've already done. Uh, that's the only way you can access those shows. And to get all the bonus shows moving forward, a free gift for signing up and tons more. Again, read about it at patreon.com slash Nation. You support what we're doing in our growth basically for the price of just buying one of us a beer once per month. So I think it's a great deal. It's a great way to get more content from us and, and continuing to help the show grow so with that said guys this has been a little bit different edition of top rope nation i hope you still enjoyed it i wanted to get the content out there for you so that's what i'm doing let's wrap things up this is ryan drosty of comicbook.com you can find me at ryan drosty that's d-r-o-s-t-e the show is at top rope nation we're on twitter and instagram and join our pro wrestling discussion group over on facebook search top rope nation pro wrestling discussion there's posts going up each and every day there engage with all the other listeners of top rope nation and the hosts as well i'll be back i promise with both justin and kyle later this week with the thursday show as we preview the wwe draft we'll see you guys next time have a good week credit card bill.